Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides mental health services to people who, well, I guess we don't provide mental health services. We connect people who have experienced the trauma of an STI diagnosis to mental health services. I like how that sounds. In our advocacy for normalizing conversations around knowing your status and being able to communicate it, one thing that we are aiming to do is to integrate the post-diagnosis support resources that you have experienced through something positive for positive people with STD prevention efforts. I believe that being able to integrate these two is going to create a much more Uh, effective impact in combating not only rising cases of STIs, but it also is going to help with people being able to navigate the stigma accordingly. And as we've touched on in several other episodes, like there's a direct connection between sexual health and mental health and our sex education at an early age, when we're in high school, middle school, wherever it is that we're starting to have these conversations, tends to not look at it that way. I believe that we will become, uh, we'll be able to get to a place where we can talk about things like boundaries, like shit, I'm 32 years old, and I just heard boundaries for the first time when I was like 31. And managing relationships, consent, knowing that you can say no, Uh, identifying mental illness and normalizing the seeking of support and community throughout your struggles. So surprisingly, what started out as me just interviewing people with herpes about their experience has somehow gotten me to this place of recognizing just how much stuff really goes into um, the, the narrative around STIs and stigma and how this plays a role in the world and the state of it. All right, now that I'm off my soapbox, we have uh, a guest today. Today's guest, actually, you're my third podcast recording over the course of this weekend. I had one earlier today, and then I had one, was that yesterday? So today's Sunday. Um, I think I recorded Saturday. Yeah, because I was drinking, I remember... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to celebrate, have myself a drink. And then I got a message. It was like, hey, are we still on for 30 minutes from now? I was like, oh, yes, we are. And so we made it work. I think it turned out lovely. Uh, That's awesome. I have my beer right here. Yeah. So I drank all my alcohol yesterday. So uh, this is an alcohol-free home for now. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, so, D, um, you reached out to me. And we ended up scheduling an interview. I would like to know, first off, just how you found me and how you found something positive for positive people. Yeah, absolutely. So I listen to lots of podcasts and one of my favorite podcasts had um, brought up this podcast will kill you. And so I started scrolling on their page and, um, started listening to quite a few of their podcasts and stumbled across the herpes episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I have to listen to this. And you were like the intro, I believe. And I mean, aside from their intro, you were like the very beginning of that podcast. And I was 
like, holy cow, I gotta reach out to this dude because this is amazing that he's started this awesome, uh, I guess, forefront of helping people like us not feel so alone. And it was just, I had to reach out to you because I felt like, I think I even told you, um, I wish I had something like this community when I first was diagnosed. Yeah, I, I do remember you saying that. And how long ago were you diagnosed? Um, almost exactly five years ago. Mm. I don't know why I thought it was 15, because it didn't add up. I was like, 15? You don't, I don't know. My numbers do not feel right here. I, I think I imagined a one in front of the five on our text messages back and forth yeah. to, with one another. That's okay. Uh, and what were you diagnosed with? Um, HSV2. And there was a genital uh, diagnosis, yep. right? Uh, yes. So let's talk about that. If you can remember five years ago, I feel like this is one of those significant things that you just don't really forget, though. Um, oh, yeah. What were your first symptoms? Um, well, it's, it's kind of bizarre. So my first symptoms were um, I had just like the worst different kind of pain on my genitals um it's so hard to explain I guess I just remember this intense burning and it reminded me almost of like a bladder infection outside of my body if that it was just horrible and um and then like you know, the blisters came, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> were, were the blisters on your vulva, or were they internal? Everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. Everywhere. Um, it was horrible. I went to a ready med or something along those lines, and I was just sobbing because, for one, I was horribly ashamed and embarrassed, and secondly, it was just in awful pain um and the doctor or nurse practitioner that i saw actually told me that this is one of the worst cases she had personally seen why would she say so that, that? Just further made me feel great <laughs> um but yeah it was to the point where she was like do you want me to prescribe you a pain medication for this and i was like yes yes please um yeah, very traumatic experience for me. Mm -hmm. her, never forget that. Her delivering your diagnosis in that way, uh, what did that make you feel at that point in time? Like, what was your relationship to STIs and herpes specifically? Uh, I didn't have much of one, to be honest with you. You know, I've, I had heard about it a little bit in school and, you know, after school, uh, basically just as like, ugh, <laughs> like that's, you know, everyone has to wear condoms and be super protected because you don't want to get herpes and you don't want to get pregnant. And it was almost like you don't want to get herpes before you don't want to get pregnant was the, um, you know what I mean? It was, that was, how it sounded in my mind like heaven forbid i i get herpes yeah how old were you my fear of like um 
five years ago, I was 23. Okay. All right. I was curious. I didn't know how old you were. And so 23 years old, um, what was happening around that time? Like, where were you in life? Were you working, finishing school, in school, or at home? Yeah. What? Working. Um, working. I was in, a few years into my stylist career as a cosmetologist. I entered a new relationship, which was going super well. Um, and it's my memory, if I'm remembering correctly, I was told by my partner, who was still my partner, maybe a week or two prior to being diagnosed, um, I was told by him that he had been diagnosed and you know that it just all happened so quickly um, and during my research I I don't think that it, it made a lot of sense that you know he just told me like a week or two weeks ago that he got diagnosed and all of a sudden like I'm just having this horrible outbreak and it had me questioning myself a lot you know like did I actually have it first and gave it to him or you know it was just such a new territory for me that I had no idea both of our heads were just kind of spinning at that point yeah when you when he got the news was there any like finger pointing or name calling or like blaming at all not at all. Okay. Not at all. Was this a new relationship uh, at that point? Said, yeah, we had been dating maybe eh, about a month, month and a half, but we had been really good friends for years. So it was a newly intimate relationship, but we had been friends for a long time. Yeah. What's that look like having an, uh, a friendship that evolves into an intimate relationship where, you know, you, you have a kid together, like you're a family now, like you go from chosen family to chosen family, gone actual family. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. Um, I feel like that's a dumb word to use. Awesome. It's so bland. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's surreal, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think both of us, back in the day during our friendship there were definitely feelings and attraction but neither of us were ever in the right position or yeah position if you will yeah like we were dating other people or you know we're just being dumb young kids and uh, yeah the opportunity to finally just hit and it was the right time at the right moment and it began and it just never stopped. Mm -hmm. Here we are with a beautiful baby girl. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's really cool. It's mm. really cool. Yeah. And we both feel very fortunate. We were talking today actually about um, not a lot of people who get diagnosed with any STI get to continue happily in their relationship together. Yeah. And that was what really I mean, stood not out in our to experiences. me. 
that was really what stood out to me about yeah. your story when you said uh like you were happy that you got it from him or you were happy that you um were in love with the person that you either gotten it from or had given it to uh because this is quite the yeah. unique experience most people if someone doesn't know they have it the other person gets it and there's kind of this building resentment at some point um, which turns into potential manipulation, potential abuse, and the resentment leads to someone perhaps leaving or acting out violently. But here we have a genuinely loving connection and relationship that has turned into uh, a family. And, you know, herpes aside, like y'all liked each other and y'all were friends, y'all had a relationship beforehand and you had herpes and it was just kind of like, all right, we got herpes we'll get through this like this what what do you think and I mean you've spoken to your partner too but collectively like what were your views on one another after your diagnosis did anything change at all I don't think so and I for either of us I don't think so I think there was a brief period of time where I of course was like well you gave it to me I wonder who you got it from, but, and, you know, I've always been the kind of person that, you know, of course, he had a life before we started dating, so whatever happened prior to that, if that's where he contracted it, who am I to, you know, give him a hard time about that because that's where he was at, at in his life then you know I, I guess does that make sense it and does yeah I and I don't I believe he felt the same way uh, I guess he never really voiced that to me but just by actions and what was said at the time I feel like he, he felt the same way. Honestly, I feel like he really did believe that he gave it to me. Mm. Um, but now that I am a little bit more educated, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. And Who it knows? doesn't it doesn't matter because at this point, uh, it doesn't. it's it like doesn't. We, we got it. Here's where we are. And I imagine that, you know, five years into it, do you experience like severe outbreaks? Does it come up for you at all? Um, what do you deal with in regards to stigma having, uh, now have your partner, you've had a child with HSV and you don't, um, you know, like that big fear of finding your significant other and being able to have children is generally what people, uh, are concerned about. And you've conquered both of those. Here's the story. You can have a kid and you can have a partner with HSV yes. and yeah. now what? Um, well, you know, I, I've never had an outbreak like I did the first one. That was just, like I said, it was so severe and intense and, and there, I just felt pain inside and outside, mentally, emotionally, physically, all the pain. But since then, you know, obviously I have outbreaks. I keep, um, a cyclovir, I think is how you pronounce it. I keep that on hand for my doctor. So anytime I feel like a slight outbreak coming on, I can take one of those and it usually like mellows it out. Um, but 
I'd say the biggest, I've had one very huge trauma since the first outbreak five years ago, and that was, um, I was pregnant with our daughter. I was a little, a few days past 40 weeks. Um, you know, I'm kind of hippy dippy. I had a, I had my doula and I was all prepared, you know, like bouncing on my medicine ball, getting ready for like, you know, whatever my birth experience was about to be. Then I got an outbreak and you cannot have a child. Like you, I could not pass my child through my vaginal canal with an outbreak because that could cause, that would have caused serious problems for her. So I called my OB and I let her know what was going on. And she was like, we're scheduling you for a cesarean section first thing tomorrow. And, or maybe it was, I think it was two days later. I don't it's neither here nor there. But, uh, you know, I had this plan to have my daughter and out of nowhere, this stupid outbreak came and was like, nope, D, you are having a cesarean section, and just, like, blew my mind and messed my world all up for, for a second time, and, you know, that, looking back, it's kind of comical, because it's not that big of a deal, but in my head then, it was a very huge deal for me. Yeah. Um, why, why is that? Like, why was it a big deal for you to have not had your child vaginally you know I honestly now in this time I'm not sure because now it doesn't seem like that big of a deal but then honestly it was I had never told my mom or my sister that I had herpes no one really aside from my partner knew and so here I came to this wall where not only did I figure out or was told that I would have this very intense surgery, um, but then I had to, to be open with my family and my doula about why. Like, I couldn't just come up with a... <laughs> a quick answer for that and honestly looking back I guess that was one of the biggest reasons why it was so heart-wrenching do you feel like herpes took away that experience for you I do mm. absolutely I do and it's hard because aside from my mom and my sister who are both in the medical field and my doula, no one else knows why I had to have a C-section, and it's nobody's business, but, you know, people are nosy, and they ask a lot of questions, and um, luckily my mom and my sister helped me come up with a reason that I can tell, you know, my clients, because for a living, I see clients every single day doing their hair, and of course they would ask, we have a close relationship, and so anyway, my mom and my sister helped me come up with a medical reason. Yeah. So I didn't have to, like, explain that to anyone. Mm -hmm. So herpes Which, took... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Herpes took away your 
experience of having a vaginal birth. Uh, do you feel like it took anything else away from you? Um, perhaps like, you know, willingness to, or your freedom in dating at all, like you and your partner chose each other, but was there a point where you were like, Oh, I wish I, I wish I didn't have this or, uh, you never felt stuck in the relationship. Such a loaded question. No, I mean, I'm very much in love with my partner, but I, I think no matter what, you have, like, that kind of wonder, you know, the what if I didn't have this, and he didn't have this, and, like, it, it, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, you don't have to answer it. It's just, uh, I was just curious because I often wonder if some of the relationships that I've been in were out of uh, convenience because of my diagnosis or because of their diagnosis. Like, are we with each other because it's easy or are we with each other like because we genuinely like each other or do I, and like I said, I'm speaking from my experience here, like, do I particularly just pursue women who have herpes because that's an easier conversation and transition into a sexual relationship? Or am I pursuing women who do not have herpes or do I don't know have herpes because I'm trying to just, like, prove a point? So I ask, like, not to <laughs> question your relationship or challenge you yeah. in any way, but just, like, more so uh, getting the perspective. super happy with where I'm at and I wouldn't change anything and I cannot imagine what it would be like to date shit not in 2020 (laughs) especially Uh, in 2020 (laughs) yeah that would be so so difficult and we we had talked about that my partner and I earlier today when I told him that we were doing this he was like the <laughs> I just don't think that a lot of people can relate to our story because it's not really what happens yeah and while it's not relatable you know to a lot of people this is again just a story that doesn't have visibility like one thing that I've learned through doing this is everyone thinks they have a boring ass story or my story isn't special or it's not unique but all of them are in fact unique to the individual's experience regardless of how similar they may sound but this is something that has not come up has not been covered like what happens when a relationship works out you know like where are these successful relationships and by successful i mean um where both parties involved, all parties involved, depending on the nature of the relationship, have communicated what they want and they're getting what they need from one another. And I'm not using it as a matter of like time passing being a measure of success, but 
a matter of like fulfillment. Are you getting what you need? Is this a healthy relationship? Maybe that's a better thing to call it like healthy, not necessarily successful. Um, because when you're in the pursuit of success, you know, like what, what does failure look like? Just not having success in every way. So if you got 10 things you want in a partner and you only get nine, is that considered a failure or is it considered a success because you've got more than, uh, you've got more than half. And then what happens if you start to settle and you're like, well, they have six things that I want before things I don't want. So now the, that success. So the metrics for success completely vary. And, you know, we, we see how people are like, I disclosed and they left me or I disclosed and we blamed each other. But what happens is this is probably what happens more often than not. And we won't hear from it or we won't hear from people who have experienced this, like your story, because they're busy living their fucking lives. Right. Like, yeah. what reason right. did you have to reach out to me and share your story? Like you said, you've told your mom, your sister, your doula and your partner. These are the only four people who need to know. I would argue even that, you know, the only person that needed to know was your partner and your doctor. And that's it. So you yeah. didn't you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to share this story, but it's so valuable that you have because the majority of people who are living with herpes or who have HSV that we will never hear from are actually in positions of life that they want to be in. The people that we hear from more often than not are not where they want to be. And so that's the narrative. Nobody wants herpes because you're never going to be able to live the kind of life that you have, D. And like I said, thank you for coming on here and just sharing this like yeah it's so simple and I know you probably feel like it's not exciting at all or anything and even in talking to your partner like well people can't relate it's not that people can't relate more people can relate than will ever hear this podcast I'm sure but yeah it's for those who can't relate to have this this expanded perspective on what life can look like and what situations can look like when you disclose because people expect rejection people expect the the worst and so here we are with just like a, a simple scenario and you're living it yeah yeah absolutely um kind of to touch on that just a skosh i i've never heard that before of, what did you just say a skosh what is that <laughs> like a skosh just a tiny what tiny bit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you can use that now. All right. Um, so to touch on that a little bit, Skosh, my reply to him saying that people won't be able to relate, I was like, okay, I hear you, but hear me. That's why I kind of wanted to do this. And this, I don't want this to sound like, yay, good for me, but I wanted to be a positive story for someone and I'm such an empath and um, my therapist has told me that my empathy will be the death of me but I just want to make other people know that there's hope you know there's always hope for a loving understanding partner there's always hope for a family if that's what you want there's you know there's always hope 
and I just want people to see the good. Yeah. And so that's that's I guess that's why I reached out and to tell you about what you're doing is amazing and more people should know about it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh so five years with this and you just now found like that there were any additional resources out there? Like, what did you need five years ago that you are now discovering was out there? Well, podcasts, um, some social media outlets, you know, groups. Um, I guess at the time I didn't... Well, I wasn't that active on social media then, and I didn't listen to podcasts then. Um, I had just, so I don't know. I, I didn't know what I wasn't, what I didn't have, you know. And it's not like five years ago I wanted to ask anybody, that's for sure. I, <laughs> so I did my own little research that I needed to know for myself when having this. STI and that, that that was that I was yeah, it that was that I was it hard some days yeah totally it was totally hard I wish there were so many times where I I wanted to tell two of my really good girlfriends and I just didn't have the courage and I didn't feel like I would be accepted for that you know they had this image of me and I didn't want to I didn't want to ruin that or spoil it yeah that's so silly but at the time it was those emotions were very real and I thought that was that was true you work in uh, beauty you work in like Mm -hmm. beauty so I imagine Mm -hmm. it's a very superficial field and you work with pretty like superficial people i see you like kind of bouncing your head up and down yes while you drink (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i took a drink of my beer and that yeah that's that's absolutely right so it's hard Um, to tell people something so vulnerable about yourself uh in that space because there's not really room for that you know i think about like with my guy friends we talk sports (laughs) and you know, that's it. Like, you can't bring the whole, hey, man, I'm really struggling with my mental health. I tested positive for an STI. And then I got to explain what an STI is because it's not what they know. It's an STD. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I just, I know many people that I've spoken with are fearful. And I was one of them. I work at a gym. I'm a personal trainer biggest thing that I was concerned about was ruining my friend's business being the guy at the gym who had herpes and hearing like I'm not going to work with I'm not working out with them I might get herpes you know so I can empathize or imagine that perhaps that's one of the things that would keep you from wanting too many people to know because then you know are they going to want to not work with D thinking that she's going to give them herpes because you have to touch their face or you have to touch their hair you know you're right um, um, yeah that that amongst 
small-ish place. Is it a skosh place? It's a skosh. No, it's a little <laughs> bit more than a skosh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, on top of that, whenever you're from a smaller place, it's like, ugh. Everyone knows everything about you already, or so it seems. And, you know, if I disclose this information to one of my friends, what if they're going to tell other friends? And then I feel the best way I can describe how I felt about my mental health regarding herpes was I felt like I was back in the sixth grade. What happened in you sixth know, grade? Like, Nothing, nothing, I mean, lots of things, but nothing in particular, it's just when, at least for me, middle school is totally a time where it was just the worst, and I felt like I couldn't be truthful about anything because you're, like, trying to figure out who you are and who you fit in with, and if you disclose this type of information, maybe these people won't like you, and you know what I mean? It put me back in that in that headspace, I guess. Mm. Uh, are you yeah. still are you still afraid of that? Like, kind of figuring out who you are, maybe not being accepted for who you are now. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't want to give off this vibe that I'm so so good with who I'm with, who I am right now. Because um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm better now than I was five years ago. Yeah. And I hope in five more years. I mean, that's the idea, right? That you just mm. become more and more happy with yourself. And But yeah, absolutely. I still, still am not totally comfortable with me. Yeah. I, do, can, I can totally say that. Do you have any desire at all to talk about herpes or... Like, think about herpes. I mean, you and your partner, you have it, it's there, whatever. But are there moments where you're just like, hey, I just want to talk about this. Do you do you have that or does it just go away until you have an outbreak? Yeah, I. there are a lot of times now, on, to be honest with you, that I feel the urge to talk about it out of nowhere. Um, but certainly times that I have an outbreak, I, especially to my partner, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awful because he does not get the same, um, physical reaction that I get when he has an outbreak. Um, mine, it's always painful. Not, not as painful as the first time, but it's always painful. And it seems as though he um, doesn't have much pain that goes along with any outbreaks that he has. So <laughs> I'm, anytime I have an outbreak, I'm kind of like, oh, well, this, wish you knew what this felt like. <laughs> um, other than that, no, I, I really don't. I really don't get the, the urge to talk about it. Okay. Well, um,
then yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> that's all I got for me. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was just like, wow, you know, I'm 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 just impressed. I'm impressed with uh just your willingness to speak out. And you know, I've already said that earlier, but like I'm really happy that you were able to do this um podcast episode that I mean, we could have discussed this and I could have talked about it on an episode, but hearing it, you know, straight from you um, carries a lot more weight than me paraphrasing the story. You know, that game telephone where you tell somebody one thing and by the time it gets back to the start, it's like, I didn't even say that. Like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. How did this message get? lost some of its meaning. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, yeah, and I appreciate you sharing, you know, your experience about the C-section, feeling like, Herpes may have taken something from you and navigating this, you know, alone, uh, well, with your partner, uh, in a sense. And just for your vulnerability, I can tell that you hadn't really talked about this before, uh, like at least not in this detail. So I hope that you are able to take something from our conversation, just like I am, like, and what people are going to get out of this. And I'm really happy I did it, and I'm stoked that you wanted to have me. And yeah, I hope hopefully it it can help other people. That's my biggest thing. It will, it will. You got anything else you want to leave us with? Not really. Love yourselves, people. I know easier said than done, but try your best. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to someone about loving themselves uh, yesterday, actually, it was yesterday, and um, one of the things that she said was, like, she has bad thoughts about herself, like, negative and just um, low self-worth thoughts about herself, and she has kids, and she was like, I'm really good about not saying these things out loud, but I see, you know, in my thoughts, like, my kids are, like, acting out the things that I'm thinking, and I thought that that was, like, a fucking crazy so i challenge i was like you know challenge your beliefs with behavior you know when you have these thoughts you know the i imagine like space whenever i talk about things so these thoughts that you are so close to in proximity with they're bright stars and they're shining bright outshining the positive thoughts so you got to find a way to bring yourself more close to the the shining bright or the dimmer stars of positivity just through behavior you know so all right you look up you see that bright shining star that says you ain't shit all right turn away (laughs) and do a thing that you feel confident in yourself about and so you start to allow for those the the, the thoughts are going to always be there it's just a matter of how how much brightness how much light are you going to uh give them you know so i was yeah, just how much power yes how much power yes yeah. so um yeah if you're someone who's struggling with like dark thoughts or low self-worth then do things take action and eventually your behaviors are gonna they're gonna overpower your beliefs and you'll be the kind of person who is capable of doing that consistently overpowering your beliefs um, with just behavior change and then when you begin to create that new programming like 
you in for a whole new world. That's exactly right. Yeah, your mind is a very powerful thing. And what you tell yourself, you'll you'll believe it. Mm-hmm. So just switching that, trying to switch that mindset a little bit, switch those negative thoughts. Again, easier said than done, but. Oh, yeah. But wait, we committed now. We here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, and listen to every episode you can. If you have the means of doing so, please donate to Something Positive for Positive People by visiting www.spfpp.org. Again, we are raising money to push forward the efforts of connecting people who've experienced the trauma of a positive STI diagnosis to mental health services. All right. And um, in addition to that, like if you see our content, please share it, engage with it, comment on things as you feel comfortable with. And you can help us get this resource out to people who need it sooner than uh, soon as soon as they need it. You know, that's the ultimate goal. I'm getting a lot of messages from people now who are diagnosed and within a week finding something positive for positive people or finding uh h on my chest social media handles and i'm able to point them in the right direction or they're pointed in the the right direction in order to um find some of the resources that they may not have been aware of they're finding all of this stuff out here finding community finding empowerment and education resources in order to best navigate the stigma of a positive SCI diagnosis. The Something Positive for Positive People podcast community is on Facebook. If you want in on that, send me a friend request and message me, letting me know that you heard about it on this podcast. This is the only way that I'm talking about it. I want to build a community of just podcast listeners. I'm over the um, exclusively herpes positive you know, groups and communities because in order for us to begin to welcome in allies and have any sort of change like we have to be willing to uh take the risk of putting ourselves out there to people who may not have herpes like getting ourselves out of our safety net and comfort zone is going to be where the changes really come in and so i thank each and every one of you for your contribution of uh whether it be monetary or whether it be you listening or just engaging with the content, touching base with me, saying thank you, all of the messages. I read every one of them. I respond to every one of them. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Till next time, stay sex positive.